This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Stacey West podcast the final episode of 2022. Joining me for this uh, momentous episode is Mr. Chris Lamming. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Good to be back again. Two weeks in a row. Must be popular. Yes, because Ben's getting lazy, apparently. So I think he's away, isn't it? I think he's away for this week. Yes, it's definitely, it would be Ben's. It's definitely uh, Ben's, Ben's, Ben's turn this week. Um, but yeah. otherwise engaged, so I'm happy to step in. Have a good so, Christmas, mate. Um. Yeah, I did, actually. One of the funniest things was my dad referring to custard as stir-fry custard. Um, that was quite amusing. So, is yeah, there's a story, story behind, behind it. There is. I can't really remember it. Um, oh, we were talking, we had we had treacle tart on Christmas Day as a, as a kind of, a, not treacle tart, sticky toffee pudding. And, um, yeah, we get, dad now only buys his posh custard, as he calls it, you know, like the vanilla stuff in Todd's. Oh, yeah. He goes, oh, I can't be having any of that fucking bird stir-fry crap anymore. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Oh, bless him. And also, people who know my dad, and you might understand this, he got really, really ratty during Trivial Pursuit um, because he didn't know any of the answers. And then it got to, like, in the end, we made it easier. We just said, like, any colour you get a cheese because we were just, it, was, it would have gone forever and he was getting arsy. And the last cheese they needed was who won the, uh, which British driver won an IndyCar champ race in 1993 and does like Nigel Mansell and he got it. And from then on, you would have thought he was Stephen fucking Fry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. He, he suddenly perked up. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, that was a surprise. So, uh, yeah, it was good, mate. It's good. You? How, good. how was yours? Yeah, really good. Yeah, quite quiet. Um, my highlight was actually yesterday. We had our, our Poker League Grand Final and I came Ooh. victorious. So I was Ooh, absolutely... How much is that? 150 quid. So how we do it, uh, so we, ha- we have a game probably once a month throughout the year and, and just kind of each game is a standalone game. But everyone puts in an extra fiver every week, just goes into kind of a side pot kitty. 
And um, there's normally six of us, so you get six points for coming first, one point for coming last, and, and so on in between. And we have like a league throughout the season, which then dictates the starting chips for our final game of the year, which was yesterday. And I started in second place, and I, I won, and I was absolutely over the moon. That that bodes well for New Year's Eve, um, because obviously we're spending New Year's Eve together, not in a romantic way. There'll be other people there, and um, now I know who's getting the first round in. That's great. Well, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't really. I, you know what? I will. I will agree to buy in the first round. Uh, there you go. It's that. there. It's live on podcast. The subtle rattling of paper and coins in the background there, just in case anybody is in any doubt that Chris won at podcast at podcast at poker. He's stacking his, his money <laughs> on the camera. It won't last long. It won't last like long. But it's also the first time I've held cash for God knows how long as well. It was a beautiful feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and I had I went shopping yesterday in town, and we're, we're procrastinating for a reason. And so I went shopping in town, and do you know what? I it was the first time I didn't buy anything with money or debit card that I'm aware of. So when I got Equivis vouchers for Christmas, and they, mm-hmm. the piece of clothing that I wanted was exactly the amount that I got vouchers for, bar ninety pence. So I've now got an Equivis card with ninety pence on it. You can't buy anything in Equivis for ninety pence. Um, yeah, and then what did we do? And then I saw some trainers I really liked in office that went with. I've got, I've got like a like a zip up Paul Smith thing. And it's like a mustardy color, and I got some. Mm-hmm. I saw these trainers in office. I thought I'm not going to buy them, and I came away and I felt that bad about not buying them. I then went online and bought them anyway. Um, so yeah, I did my kind of post Christmas shopping <laughs> without spending cash. Brilliant. Well, talking of mustard, yeah. Boxing day wasn't great, was it? Ha- I mean, now. I, I, I like a segue, right? I'm going to need that one explaining to me. <laughs> I thought mustard is like a derogatory term, isn't it? Ah, bloody mustard, that. No, my from? dad calls must. My dad says, like, if a player's good, he goes, oh, yeah, he's mustard ears. Ah, oh. okay, the opposite of mustard then. <laughs> <laughs> talking, of, talking of mustard, the opposite of mustard was Boxing oh, Day. That was the worst segue in the history of the world. I'll never try again. I'll leave it all to you next time. <laughs> leave it to the professionals. That's it, absolutely. Um, no, uh, yeah, it was. You know, I think Chris Ray had the best headline, and he messaged me because uh, I wasn't going to write about it Boxing Day because I had a good Christmas. I enjoy my downtime, and I watched the game. And I thought, you know what? I'm not ruining Boxing Day by writing about that shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then Chris messaged me, and he'd drawn his cartoon, and he'd put a nightmare after the nightmare after it Christmas. Was, it was with a big trademark sticker on it. Like you know, he said, you're not using this. Ah, you bugger! Because I would definitely have come up with that myself. <laughs> um, and it was a nightmare. I mean, you and I were chatting beforehand. We fancied it. We thought that they were going to win. Dad on Christmas Day was saying, I fancy this for a win tomorrow, boy. And he's, you know, Mr. Pessimist. Um, I, I wasn't going to watch. I was going to try and have kind of a, a banner Boxing Day's football day for, for many. But for me, kind of Christmas Day, Boxing Day fee was at home. I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to vote. And then I got it. I bought it. I got it all logged in and on 10 minutes before kickoff. And 10 minutes after kickoff. I was wishing I unbothered because it was an awful start and it got progressively worse through the first half, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was poor. Well, I think I think almost the whole fan base was relatively positive going into the game and we just didn't turn up. Like I think, you know, I, I like to look at the tactical side of the game, as you know, I like to try and analyse it. But it, it was just there's nothing tactical about it that was the problem at all. Um the only I got one one very small thing right about in my prediction last week, I said if they play with the front two, we'll have a spare man at the back. If they play a front three, which they did, it'll be really transitional. And it was. Um, and that suited them. 
But I don't think the I think you could have played any formation you liked and lost that game. It was they started really well, played the game on their terms, got the ball forward quickly, played the pace, won the second balls. They scored a goal before we even had a kick. I felt, um, yeah. and we just never recovered from it at all. It was just I don't know. I don't, I don't like to kind of criticise too much. I'd like to be relatively glass half full when it comes to Lincoln City, but I don't know. Was it a mentality issue? You know, we played really well against Southampton. A little bit of complacency setting in, you know, played brilliantly against them, thinking we're going to come into this team bottom of the second bottom of the league, we're going bathroom. Um, maybe the complacency from the fan base a little bit, you know, myself probably a little bit. Did that rub off on the players somewhat? I don't know, but it was shit. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I pointed out, I think we've only won two away from home on Boxing Day since 1987. Uh, and only won two away from home on Boxing Day in the league since about 1981-ish. Um, and I po- kind of pointed that out. I didn't think that we would lose the game. And when we won 1-0 down, I thought, that's a bad start. We'll get back into this. And Joe, you know what, what concerned me the most was that we we looked susceptible from balls into the box. And that hasn't been the case. Yeah, that's so out season. of character for us. Yeah, completely out of character. And it's not like they were a team full of hulking monsters out muscling us. You know, this is a Burton side that I think their position is a slightly false position, having seen them. And I know they're not the top 20 pod kind of think that they've, Burton have got what it takes to haul themselves out of that yeah. bottom three. And I can see if they got things right, they have. They're greater than the sum of their parts. One or two of their players look limited. Um, but, you know, they, they worked very, very well together. But we made it really, really easy. You know, we let them have possession, um, or we seemed to let them have possession. Whenever we got it, we just coughed it back up. We're going to touch on passing, I know, in a little while. The first goal was just a, a bad one to concede. The second goal, at the time I pointed out, I thought, I think Jack Diamond, but I think then you look at Walsh as well, doesn't come to the man, or, or is it Sanders doesn't come to the man, one of the two. It's, yeah. it's Sanders, actually, sorry. I mean, Max Sanders was awful. I just I just don't understand it. I don't understand how that team can put that performance in so soon after the same, more or less the same 11 did what we did at Southampton. Baffled. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think our characteristics this season have been really good off the ball. You know, we've been, we've been hard to beat. We've been good at, good at stopping the other teams playing. We've been... Working, we've worked harder than other teams. I feel, you know, we've, we've we've kind of thrown bodies on the line. We've won our second balls, and then we've we've played our decent bits. But I think our real characteristics has been good defending from set pieces, being hard to beat, and our off the ball intensity has been really good. And all of them are bad on on, yeah. on on Saturday, whatever date was. You kind of lose track of the days, don't you? When it's between Christmas and New Year, but whatever day Boxing Day was, um, yeah, it was. I like what Mark Kennedy said at the end in that one game won't define us, and he took responsibility for it. You know, so and a good manager does that, and he's right. You know, because it is just one game. Um, but it was just really disappointing because it was a game that, on paper at least, you could see us getting something out of, and we were nowhere near it. Didn't deserve, didn't deserve anything at all. You know, at half time we hadn't even had a shot. No, 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 awful. I mean, I, I don't think it was a penalty. By the way, I'm not going to start arguing about it. I thought it was a really, really soft penalty. I think Sam Hughes knows exactly what he's doing. Um, He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not long in the tooth defender, but he's been around long enough now. I think mm-hmm. to, he, he bought the penalty, um, but that's not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to point at that and look at that. Maybe at two 0 do we come back into it? Not playing like that. We'd still be playing no. like. Still was, be yeah, playing now I agree with you about the penalty. It was a bit soft, I, um, but I just don't think at all it made a difference to the outcome of the game. No, Zero. No. 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 And I, I think what I touched there about on what Mark Kennedy said. And, you know, there's a point where I, I like what he does when he tries to protect the players. I don't think that that result was his fault. 
And he can go and say it as much as he wants. I think that's the player's fault. I think it's the player's fault from the first minute to the last because mm-hmm. I don't think he set them up in a manner um, to collapse 3-0. I don't think we did anything fundamentally different to what we've been doing in many of our other games. Uh, I just think we've got no control at all in the midfield. As I say, I think Max Sanders had probably one of his worst games in the Lincoln shirt. I think Matty Virtue couldn't get himself into the game at all. There was no protection um, for Sean Rowan from Jack Diamond. Regan Poole couldn't couldn't do do anything right. Not for a want of trying. I thought fair play to Regan. I thought Joe Walsh had a had a horrible game leaving his two sets. Tom Hopper may as well not have bothered. We may as well have started with ten men and you know, apart from in his own box. But when you play three centre halves, the last thing you need is a fourth centre half playing mm-hmm. up top, which is what he, he looks like. But I don't think any of that was Mark Kennedy's fault. And I think it's harsh for him to, to kind of shoulder that. I understand why he's done it. Um, but fans see through it, I think, eventually. Yeah, I completely understand why he's done it. And I like, see, I disagree a little bit. I like that he's done it because you can't just pick out one or two players for that performance. It was all of them. No one played well, you know. And I know you, you made a point about um, Charles Vernon being the only kind of bright spark, but he didn't play well. He just didn't play terribly like yeah, everyone badly. else did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult for him to kind of say anything other than it's his, uh, it's his fault. Even though, if he, you know, I agree with you, I don't think he could do a great deal wrong. No one could expect that to happen after a performance against Southampton with almost the same 11. No one expects you to prefer like that. But then there's also got to be a question about what happened, what was so different in Burton's preparation to ours for it to be that different? Um, I think, uh, you know, in the first few minutes, apart from those intangible, intangibles, intangibles, whatever it is, like heart, desire, work rate, belief, um, a bit of complacency or lack of. I don't know, you know, those things that you can't measure, but you can kind of see when you're watching a game. It just felt don't like th- they had all those in abundance and we just didn't. Don't you think, Mark Kennedy, actually, this was the time where he could have called the players out because he didn't have to call any individual out. He could have gone out there and said, my players let me down today because it was a collective. So he wouldn't have been battering an individual. Like last season, we used to have, you know, certain players let us down. There was certain area. There was an, there was an error in this game or there was an error in that. And it was obvious who the player was. Mm. Actually, if he wanted a reaction, perhaps this was the time to come out and 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 say it. And I, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not criticising Mark Kennedy because actually I don't think there was a lot more he could have done. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously, there was the, the Ben House situation in the run-up to the, the match hasn't helped because I still think it's a Ben House style game, that one. I think. Yeah, definitely. I just think he's a little bit more mobile than Tom. I think, yeah, I wonder, I don't think Tom will be here next season. And I think he's playing a little bit like that. And I think when you look back at last season as well, with his injuries and everything, yeah, I don't think he's been a good centre forward for us since getting injured um, in the playoff final season. Yeah, what we really want is the Tom Hopper of two seasons ago. Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, we haven't really seen it at all. You know, in fairness, he started this season relatively well, I think. I don't know if he was on par. Comparable with... to last season, yes. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Like, like, it felt like he was closer to his old self than he than he obviously was previously that we saw in the last season. But I think, again, it's just Ben House is just, unf- like you say, unfortunate that he had this, it was an illness, wasn't it, um, this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would have started, if not. And that's just a and shame. Obviously, so hopefully Mandrew he starts Mandrew missing... Mandrew yeah. missing was a problem, but Charles Vernon was arguably our best player. And like you say, it, it's basically like getting stabbed 11 times and saying, you know, the last one wasn't wasn't as deep as the other 10. That was kind of where we are with Charles Vernon. The one thing I like about Vernon is he does get on the ball and ask questions, even when you're really up against it. And he doesn't make the greatest of decisions in certain games, but he just needed somebody to show a little bit of spark. Yeah, you know, he does more than anything. He just gets you at the pitch. 
Yeah, it gets the team up the pitch, and then you can reset from a higher position. And I like that. It's 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 just a directness, isn't it? And a kind of bloody, bloody mindedness to go right. I'm going to get forward now. Come with yeah. me if you like, sort of thing. Um, he'd be a good. He'd be a Danny Cowley player. He would yes. have fitted in the Danny Cowley League Two side that year because yeah, he, he, he looked to get the ball to the likes of Harry, Nathan Arnold, whatever. So, any more points on Burton? I don't really want um, to. Um... I want to credit them. Yeah, we yeah. were shit, yeah, but like they played the game on their terms, turned it into a battle, and they won the battle. They won every single skirmish. They were really good at that. And also, I thought Bobby Kamwa for them was actually really good on the ball. I think he was a really threatening player. I know we were shit. Like I say, it's difficult to kind of take rise off our performance. But I think Burton were better than I expected them to be. Um, yeah. But the last thing was just our passing. Um, I know some people don't like stats, so I'll be really quick. But we attempted only 260 passes in the whole game. That's not many at all. Um, only 119 of them were successful, which meant we had a passing accuracy of 45.7%. So, yeah, like if you're going to go more direct and you're playing in a transitional game, of course, you're not going to see really high numbers. But anything sub 50 is frankly shockingly bad. Um, Anything sub-60. So, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So it's beyond, I've never seen 40-something before, I don't think. No, I haven't. Um, so for it to be that poor is just... yeah, it's just You can't be that bad again. And no. I think the two games coming up will be very, very different games, different styles of games, which will suit us better. But yeah, I think the less said about the Burton game, the better. And the quicker we can move on, the better. Just quickly talk about the passing one point actually, and I don't make notes during the game to be fair. So it's kind of it's gone and now it's just come back. The pitch actually looked really like it cut up quite a lot. Do you think that affects our passing game? And I'm not looking for excuses, but I'm looking for a bobbly pitch making it harder to play 15, 20 yard passes to feet. It does make it harder. Um, it absolutely makes it harder, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, I don't think the pitch had anything to do with our style. I think what happened is we set up how we normally do, trying to play in the way that we normally do. Like, consider the goal before we really kicked the ball. 2-0 down within 15 minutes. We hadn't even started. Now, in half an hour, he changed it to 4-4-2. So, Kennedy changes to a 4-4-2, I think, just to try and create a bit more solidity for us. Um, but and, and as much as it stopped us conceding, not that we not that we couldn't have, but they did, they did have fewer chances. But we just, just had no method then. We had absolutely zero method. Our method was get the ball up the pitch away from our goal and try and play off the seconds. And it was, it was disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I don't, I don't, I don't indulge in hyperbole post Lincoln defeats. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going online going that was horrific. That was disgusting. That, and I, I did for this game. It absolutely yeah. was. Yeah. Just the point is, on with... pass. You go on. Well, you go. I said the point on passing accuracy, just looking at the, the league table, the average passing accuracy per game in League Two is 76.65%, and the lowest average is 68.7%. So the oh, yeah. worst passing team in this division still makes 68.7% successful passes, averaging 250 passes a game, and that's Wickham. Our average is 74.2%. So we were almost almost at half kind of half mast let's say yeah, and I think yeah. that probably went to I think it that was, was fairly obvious a complete off day on all measures and it can't get any worse so let's move on it can't well we say it can't get any worse we hope it can't get any worse um Boxing Day our hopes went for a Bol- uh, went for a Burton um I can't think of a segue for Bolton you've thrown me off You've ruined, Sorry. you've poisoned the Segway waters. Yeah, so understandably so. Go. I'll take full responsibility. <laughs> it was awful. Don't understand what mustard is. No. <laughs> 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favorite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> so it's a, it, it's an opportunity to, to kind of try and correct things. Back-to-back home games. We're looking to go the first sort of half of a season undefeated at home, which which would be a huge, huge thing. It's Bolton Wanderers. I mean, it's, they're two tough-looking games. So from a Lincoln City perspective, probably ones that we're going to be a little bit more competitive in than we were on Boxing Day. Not that we could be less competitive. It's typical Lincoln, isn't it, to get battered by Burton and go and win these two games. That'd be, that would be typical Lincoln. Um, I do think these style of games suit us better, just because we're... We're good against playing. We're good playing against teams. Sorry, who like to play out from the back and have possession of the ball. It allows us to actually press in a structure. Um, if the ball does go forward quickly, of course you can't do that, and then it turns into more of a battle. So, both these teams that we're coming up against will want to play out the back. They both almost exclusively play a back three, and Bolton pretty much exclusively play a three-four-one-two. So back three, wing backs, two DMs. Um, one player in the 10 hole and then um, two two strikers up top. So similar to us in that they basically have, uh, other than they have, they have two strikers and one in the 10, whereas we have one striker and two in the 10s. Um, but I've kind of broken this down from the research I've done in like, what does that 10 do when the opposition has the ball? Because that 10 role is, is their spare man. Um, so that could be a challenge. That could be a problem for us in terms of what the what their threat is. It's it's that ten position. So when we've got the ball, if that ten pushes up and like defends in a front three, it could be a full full press for them. That can make it really challenging for us. Um, and when they've got the ball, he's likely to be the spare man that they can that they can they can work off. So if a centre centre half kind of pushes into that ten to mark him, then it's just man for man everywhere. If one of our centre mids drops onto him, we create the overload at the back. But then they're going to have their deeper midfielder with acres of space. It's a challenge to be honest when they have an extra man in midfield there and everywhere else is kind of man for man going forward. So that is a, a genuine worry for me. Um, Kieran Lee has been playing there recently for them, who is not traditionally a 10. He's more of a kind of a combative centre midfielder. But other players like um, Efolian has played there a bit. Kachunga's played there a little bit. They've got good options going forward. So Bolton will be a threat. They certainly will be a threat. But um, now what what could we do? You know, How can we win this game? Um, if we press really high, we've got full press. They're back three against our front three. Um, so if we can do that well, we can create chances when they have deep possession and they have their wing backs really, really, really high. Um, so if we can exploit the spacing behind them, then we've got we've got a, a chance of getting something out of this. So um, yeah, what their ten does will be really, really interesting, and that will probably dictate 
whether we are able to play through the thirds a little bit or whether we have to kind of play on the counter. So, yeah, it's a difficult one to predict, but in terms of the style of game, I think it will suit us a lot more than than Boxing Day did. Yeah, I think when you said the the 10's interesting because they've also had Kachunga play there. I think it was either boy that was at Huddersfield under yeah. Danny Cowley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bakayoko's played there. I think they've even finished a recent game with Kyle Dempsey there, who's probably more of a holding midfielder. And I think there's a, we put a lot in tactics because we say, oh, they play this position, they play this formation, that formation, but then which player plays in that position dictates actually whether that, how that kind of tactic manifests itself, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. I mean, I picked out a couple of of different players. Obviously, I picked out Dion Charles. I think he's got seven Mm -hmm. for them in the league this season. has a really good record against Lincoln, um, kind of that arrogant centre-forward that you can afford to play when you play two up top. So, for instance, Lincoln City couldn't go sign Dion Charles and play him in our formation at the moment because I don't think he's the lone striker. I think you pair a Dion Charles with somebody who picks up the bits and pieces and that sort of thing, I think, is a quite a hard-working um, centre-forward. Uh, and Connor Bradley is a player who I know is getting rave reviews there. He's on loan from Liverpool. Um, I think he's been playing right wing-back, uh, but I, I might be wrong about that. So I, I get an impression that he's going to be, um, like say, you've picked up on the fact they're playing high. He's going to be full of pace, full of energy. He's going to be full of technique as well. So it's, it, it's a big, big ask. And it's very different to the Bolton Wanderers that we faced at home last season, um, which... Was that Sarsovic's goal? Beat us 1-0, didn't they? TJ Omer's on bailing. That feels like such a long time ago. Yeah. They played nice football that day. Um, And it's actually... Because didn't Ian Everett get Barrow called the Brazil of the National League when he got promoted because (laughs) of the football that he was playing? He did. He did. Uh, He's a complete shithouse as a manager. He's just the sort of manager that I think does well at this level. He doesn't make any friends. He kind of never minces his words. Bolton are a big club. And just because they've been in the the fourth tier over the past couple of seasons and they were a crisis club. That's that's not this Bolton Wanderers side. Um, they create a good number of chances, a good amount of chances. Their XG has been quite high, um, 1.56 with a 1.12 against. So they're ex- they expect to win games kind of by two goals to one. They're on a, what do you notice? They're a streaky side. So they tend to win two or three games. Then they go a couple without, then they win two or three games. Um, I think they had a really good run earlier in the season. I think, are they three without a win in all competitions at the moment? Uh, I don't know, because I've looked at their last, I've looked at their last five league games. I'm not, I'm not in taking are consideration three, Are they three? Sorry, I've, 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 just for the peek behind the curtain, I've literally not long had a bath um, and I didn't... Uh, I didn't do an awful lot of research. So they win in uh, they win in pockets. That's what I've I, I got. So they won three in a row kind of in October. Then they lost two, drew one. Then they won two in a row, drew, lost. And they just won two in a row and drawn with Bolton. So if they're to follow a pattern, they are actually due a couple of defeats. But football doesn't work in patterns, does no, it? No, it doesn't. So, the, yeah, the last five league games, um, this is what I've looked at. Derby 0-0 um, at home. Beat Exeter 2-0 away. No, at home, sorry. Lost three to away at Shrewsbury, but deserved to win according to the stats. Um, drew at home to Bristol Rovers and beat Fleetwood. So they're just, they're just a playoff team, aren't they? They're a playoff chasing side. That's playoff form. Um, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're not unbeatable, but they're good. And I think we've got to respect the fact they're good. But as silly as it sounds, good teams that play nice football suit us. Um, so, yeah, the, the kind of the silver lining there for me is is very much... You know, we, we're good at playing against the teams that want to possess the ball and play through the thirds. As I said, that that ten role 
makes it really interesting for me. If he sits a little bit deeper, then I feel like we can we can maybe play through the third a little bit and our back three will have a spare man. Um, if they press really high, it'll become tr- transitional from our perspective, I think, and it'll be more difficult. Um, but like you said earlier, like we talk about formations and positions, but it's who is in that role then that dictates everything around it. Like if they play Kieran Lee there, that they that we have done, they have done for the last three games, that's a very, very different team that we're playing against compared to when Efolian plays there, who's very much a ball carry, he's one that kind of bit of a free role in that 10. Very, very different um, players. So it'll be interesting. It'll be tough. Um, if we can come up with a point, I'd be delighted. Interesting. They're away league form, actually. They've draw, uh, they lost at Shrewsbury, as you pointed out. Drew at Cambridge. Uh, lost at Forest Green. Lost at Cheltenham. Drew at Port Vale. Lost at Plymouth. They're a big side at home, but away from home. I mean, they've beaten Fleetwood. And prior to that, Accrington and their two league away wins since September-ish. Well, that's very nice to know. Let's 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 cling on to that little bit of, of yeah. Maybe they don't travel as well, and that's you know, that's our our excuse for Saturday. So mm. I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, not Saturday, Boxing Day. It's going to be a tough game, but I I think in terms of Boxing Day. I think it'll be an unrecognisable Lincoln City. I agree. I think we've, as, as, as we, we touched on how crap it was, obviously, on Boxing Day, it's, but it was so uncharacteristically bad. I just think, yeah, it can't happen twice. That's just one of those that just, everything is off. Everyone has a bad day. Let's You don't see that again, I hope. I, I, I agree with you. I think we'll be completely different. Also, just to touch on um, the last time we played Bolton, obviously 2-0 away, but um, it was a dodgy penalty. And obviously it was then, it was then, Really tight, you know. It could have gone either way at one nil. Like it was either going to be one, it was either going to be one one, or it was going to be two nil to them. Obviously, it ended up being two two nil after that um, dodgy throw in from Rowan. Um, but we went toe to toe with them, didn't we? Um, away from yeah. home, um, and that's before we really started to hit a bit of form as well. So we could definitely play be, um, be be competitive against them. Like you say, now I know that their away form isn't isn't great. Yeah, of the two games coming up, obviously this is the one that is you'd like to think is, is more likely for us to get a win. Um, but who knows? I see, I see, I, do you know what? He's actually their away games on Scout. I'm just looking through. I think they've won two. Bolton, they beat Accrington and beat Fleetwood. Sorry, and they beat MK Dons. So they've beaten the teams kind of down there, but losing to Forest Green, losing to Cheltenham, um, drawing at Port Vale. They even lost to Charlton. Uh, they won at Charlton on the final game of last season. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. So, from Bolton, it's a quick turnaround. Um, you know, the, the, the two games are going to be played in different years, but they're going to be what seventy-two hours apart, something mm-hmm. like that. We're on to Ipswich Town on the second of January, and I think a lot. Of, you know, we're going to talk about some significant moments in the season and our game against Ipswich earlier, uh, sorry, in the year, and our game against Ipswich earlier this year was seen as one of those moments, one of those like, wow, this was big for the club. Mm-hmm. Um, we think back to the Christmas game against Ipswich a few years ago, beaten 5-3. Uh, very few people are expecting us to get anything. And I think that if we were to come out of these games with two points, I think that would be an achievement. But are they beatable? Yeah. The, the answer is everybody's beatable. beatable. But, <laughs> uh, but I'll be, I, 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 they're really good. You know, they are so, but Bolton are fifth in the league, obviously, in the playoffs. Ipswich are second, but Ipswich are actually 12 points ahead of Bolton. So, them and Plymouth are miles ahead of everyone else. They are, yeah, they're really good at football. It's really annoying, but they are good. Um, so yeah, from, from a again, tactical point of view, 
primarily play a 3-4-2-1 or a 4-2-3-1. Um, so I looked on Scout earlier and they basically are almost equal in terms of percentage of those two formations used. They obviously pick and choose which of those two formations is going to suit the opposition best and they'll, they'll play that. Um, they've got high pass numbers, high pass completion, high possession, lots of shots, five to six on target every single game with an XG of over two. That's scary. Uh, if I'm honest, that is scary. They're good at football. Um, they play a lot of the ball on the deck um, and they do create chances from that. But as we saw in the performance away from home, of course, they are beatable. Yes, we maybe rode our luck at times, um, but they didn't create a huge amount, really, really clear cut. Um, and we took our chances when they came. And I think we've, we have in, improved as a team since then. Um, so how can we exploit that? How can we get something out of the game? Um, the half spaces behind their centre back, their their centre mids, could be a position position to get in if if they do play a back three. Um, and I think we're going to have to be prepared to see us play backs against the wall football when they've got the ball in the middle and an attacking third. I think you'll see us be really deep and combative and just trying to block everything off. But also when they've got the ball, like I've got kicks and stuff, and that deep in that deep kind of possession, I, I wouldn't be surprised just kind of seeing that as a pressing trigger. We've been quite good at that. Um, so I expect us to, kind of, us to press high when they're starting on those dead balls. But then as soon as they play through our thirds, we'll just get back in shape and we'll just be really hard to beat and we'll play on the break. It'll almost be like an away performance, I think. Um, my prediction is they'll go 4-2-3-1, which is different to what they started at against us um, last time. Um, they played basically what we play now um, against us last time. So it's basically just player for player if they do that. And yeah, they'd probably back themselves man against man to beat us. But if they play a 4-2-3-1, they've got two overloads. Um, they've got one in the 10 roll and they've got their back four against our front three. Um, so I, if they go for their four, their, um, sorry, 3-4-2-1, so the same sort of system we play, they go for their back three. I think that will suit us better. Um, if they play 4-2-3-1, I can expect them to have a lot of the ball and we'll just play on the break and hope for the best. Which is pretty much what we did last time, even though they played the three at the back last time. Mm. In terms of um, in terms of the game plan, I don't think it changes for us either way. In no, terms of how they will be successful, if I was there, Gaffer, 4-2-3-1 seems to suit, suit it better, the, the, playing against us better. Um, but again, it's formations are only part of the part of the puzzle, aren't they? As we saw against Bolton, uh, not Bolton, sorry, Burton, it doesn't matter what formation you play, if you work harder and you're good on the ball and you create chances and you win your second balls, then, then it doesn't matter what systems, system you play. And that's only part of the puzzle. So, you know, like you say, if we can, if we can have a similar kind of performance from a kind of desire and an attitude perspective, as we did away from home, there's no reason we can come out of that with a, with a positive result. And by positive result, I mean, not getting beat. Yeah. A draw, a draw. I mean, if you, I'd like to say, if you take me two draws against these game, two teams now, probably take it. And I know a lot of fans will say, well, we want to take three points from them. Oh, of course you do. You want to, you know, want to take six points from them, but interesting points about the XG and uh, Andy Pearson and Jack Mulhawk can listen, uh, look away now. Hmm. Actually looking away won't help you because this is audio. <laughs> so you'll need to um, mute the radio. Uh, they've actually tailed off ever so slightly. Now, they did beat Oxford 3-0 on Boxing Day with 2.62, scoring three goals, limited Oxford to 0.68, so they deserve that. Only 1.03 XG when they lost 1-0 against Wickham, 0.91 when they beat Peterborough 2-1. Um, 
decent against Fleetwood. Then when they played Portsmouth in the Papa John's Trophy, so it would have been a bit of a hodgepodge, 1.13. And against Ipswich in uh, on the 19th of November, 1.1. So actually, over the last one, two, three, four, five, six games, they've only exceeded 2xG twice. That's interesting. Um, well, that's, again, if we're trying to find positives and silver linings, that's a good thing for us. They're not creating as much as they clear-cut as they did earlier in the season. So, yay, yay for that. And fingers there crossed for us. Silver linings. We're all about silver linings. Um, oh, Charlie's not happy. He's grumbling down here. Um, I, I picked out a couple of players and I, the two that kind of, two that jumped out for me were Leif Davis and Wes Burns. So, I think when they play a three, play the wing-backs, don't they? Leif Davis, I, didn't mm-hmm. actually, I thought he was on loan. I didn't realise he'd moved there. Even um, when they play a back four. Burns plays right back in a very attacking and right back. So even when they play a back four, they play very, very attacking. It's almost like a four-two-three-one. It's almost like a, a back two rather yeah. than a back four. Um, so yeah, they're both of them are that's that's their width basically on whatever system they play. I think what gives people a, a, a needed degree of grounding, Leif Davis was a player that they signed in the summer for I think we said 1.2 million pounds from Leeds. So that's that's where we are. So whatever happens, we can come out of these games with no points. And you think, well, actually, they signed a player for one point two million pound. We're not in a position where we sign in players for point two million pound. We're playing in the so, same league, but we're playing in a different mini league. Really, yeah. It's a completely different ball game. Not different ball game, but it's just a different. They've got a very different shopping uh, kind of experience. They shop at Waitrose, don't they? And we they, we, yeah. we we shop at Aldi. But, and I, I love Aldi, by the way. You know, we shop at Aldi as well. But um... Although, interesting <laughs> fact about Aldi, they used to do a nice German Bratwurst sausage and recently that sausage has been discontinued by Aldi and transferred to Morrison's and you can now buy them in Morrison's for £2.50 for a pack of six. They're what I'm having for dinner today and that's what we try and do in shopping at Aldi, don't we, is buy at Aldi and then promote our items to Morrison's but we're not putting them in Waitrose just Absolute, yet. Absolutely love that. That's brilliant. There you go. It's all right. They, 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 almost we'll makes up for my mustard segue earlier. Almost. I, I was absolutely, I was absolutely delighted. We went to Morrison's in uh, Lincoln yesterday, and I'd been moaning to Fia. Well, I hadn't been moaning after we went to Germany, mm. and I had that bratwurst at, at uh, Dusseldorf. I came back and said, "We've got to get more." And she went into Aldi, and she said, "They've stopped doing them." And I'm like, "Oh, they can't have stopped doing them. We love these German Aldi." Bratwurst. And yesterday in Morrison's, genuinely, she came down the aisle and she said, Look what I've just found. She goes, There was only two left, and there's these two packs of sausages. I'm like, I can't believe they do them. We went back and there was more. We ended up buying 10 quid's worth, like piling them in. Um, anyway, we digress. Bratwurst, brilliant, great. If you're if you're missing them from Aldi, they're in uh, there they're in go. Morrison's, but we well, won't now be shopping we know. Waitrose. Not a chance. So but so look. The thing is, you look at Bolton and Ipswich on the Christmas calendar, you only have to rewind a few years ago when it was you know, relatively small teams like Halifax and Grimsby um, popping up on uh, the Boxing Day calendar. <laughs> Sorry, Grimsby fans, not really. Um, no, but you know what I mean? It was it was the likes of Alfreton rather and Halifax popping up. So, yes, we were bad against Burton. These two games are going to be tough. My prediction is we come out of them with one point. If I'm honest, I think I can see us holding Bolton. I think I can see us losing to Ipswich. And people might start having a meltdown and the usual suspects will be on there saying relegation battle incoming, I'll be happy with 19th, blah, 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 all the usual negativity. But actually, you know, I think we've done, I think we did well to stay in the division last year, given the collapse that we had and given what appears to them be the subsequent divisions that have almost been, you know, have almost come out slowly, haven't they? The Rowans and the Sanders, when they talk about what was going on. 
you know, the Maguires, who we now know was a bad egg without, you know, rather just speculating. So actually, I yeah. think we did well to stay in the division last season. I think we've done really well this season to be ninth at one point. I think there's a lot more to come. And I think one point from these games, which, you know, won't keep people happy. But when you look at it, Bolton and Ipswich, you know, you're talking about teams that have no place in this division. They don't don't be fooled by Bolton being having been in the fourth division. Bolton Wanderers have got no yeah, they're, business they're being in, in the Premier League. This Ipswich team, in my opinion, is better than the Ipswich team that we played in the FA Cup. In terms of organisation, in terms of togetherness, in terms of pound for pound, I think it's a better team. Much higher quality on the ball, even though they're yeah. the league below. Yeah. It's the best Ipswich, this is the best Ipswich team that's been in League One yeah. um, as well, by a mile. You know, We always say, talk about the size of the club, but sometimes it takes the big teams a, a year or two to a, you know, just look at Sunderland. But I think Ipswich now are much better than Sunderland were at any point when they were in League One. Bar the last couple of months of last season, when they got Patrick Roberts and and mm. play you know, when, when Jack uh, Jack Clark was it Patrick Roberts and Jack Clark they brought in. It was in ridiculous January. that they were able to sign those two players. On, yeah, they're signing players on loan. Or they got one permanently, did they? I'm not sure. Uh, Either Roberts way, good players came in on a short term. Um, yeah, they were great players. That was a great. That was a, a really good Sunderland side. That was the best Sunderland side that had been in in League One. This mm-hmm. is the best Ipswich side. It's probably the best Bolton Wanderers side that we would have faced. Yeah, um, but it's a it's a, a transitional, evolutionary Bolton Wanderers. They will be in this division next season, bar a bit of luck. They will be one of the top two in this division in the next two or three years. You know, they will be promoted. You won't see Bolton, you know, fold or fade away as we yeah. did, or as Shrewsbury did, or as Fleet would have. You know. They're only yeah, going they're, in one direction. They're on an upward trajectory, and they've got the, you know, the the backing or the size, just the size club they are to continue yeah. to do that, aren't they? You know, we've for a club of our size to do that, you've got to be continually beating a system and being progressive and, ch- and clever yeah. in the transfer. And you can do that as to your best of your ability, but you've got to be clever. You've got to try to create those those little those little benefits for yourself. Whereas clubs the size of Bolton, clubs the size of Victory, have already got that advantage. What we need yeah. to try and do is find. We need to be clever to try and close the gap to create our own. They've already yeah. got it. Um, it's how they utilise it. Obviously, big clubs that always utilise that advantage well. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree. But both of them are going in the right direction. I think if we take one point, and if you're listening to this after Bolton and we haven't taken a point from that and you think we're going to take no points, the critical period comes after these two games because Massive. it's Charlton who are poor at the minute. Milton Keynes dons twice. Burton again, who should be beatable at Sinsel Bank. Cambridge at Sinsel Bank. Accrington Stanley away. Bristol Rovers, and that takes us all the way through to Valentine's Day. Mm. That's where you stay up or you go down. If you start taking two points a game from those games, come Valentine's Day, we're going to be looking down the table and there's going to be 10, 12 points between us and the bottom four. And if you get to February and it's 10, 12 points, it's an awful lot for a team that are out of favour to catch up. So we don't need to lose our shit if we don't take anything from these two games. Similarly, if we take six points from these two games, we're not going up. Just to clarify that yeah, as well. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, I think for me, obviously, you need to have, I've said this before, you need to have the points on the table so you can then develop your team. Because if you're in that relegation dogfight, how you play a game of football is all about result and not about progression. It's not about development. Um, so, of course, points are important. Um, but for me, what I'd be really interested to see and what would success for me, I think if we get a point out of these two, fine, good. It'd be interesting to see from a performance perspective, where we are. Um, yeah. I think if we can come away from those two games, you, can, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can see, we're back on track. I can see where we're going. 
we can we can see that kind of system and that development, then I'm happy. You know, I think this season is all about developing from last season and then, you know, putting a, those kind of strong foundations in place for next season. I think that's what this year is all about. Um, yeah. So if we, can, if we can get back on the back on the horse and kind of show a little bit of that plan again, because it looked like, I guess, Burton, we didn't look like we had a plan, really. It didn't have to deal with anything. To get back on that word, I suppose, back on method uh, from years gone by, um, yeah, I think I'll be, I'll be relatively satisfied. Every popular series that you've ever watched has had a shit episode. Breaking Bad, it was the fly episode. Anyone that's watched Breaking Bad will remember the fly episode. It was, was terrible. such a strange episode. I completely forgot that even existed until you just mentioned it. That was yep. so strange. Burton Albion was our fly episode. And generally, we're building like a good series. It started off, you didn't really know what you were going to get. You're sitting watching it. You're thinking, yeah, this is all right. I'll give it a little bit of time. It's had plenty of highs. There haven't been as many lows. There have been lows. You look at Peterborough, you look at Cambridge, you look at Burton. There will be more between now and the end of the season. The list of teams I've just rolled off that we want to take two points again. We'll lose one of those games and everybody will go, oh, my Lord, we're good. You know, we're terrible. The fact is we just need enough points to stay out of the relegation battle. We don't want to be going into mm -hmm. March. Um kind of you know, looking over our shoulder you said next year is about consolidating about continuing on the journey about building on what we've started um whereas last year and i'm not talking about seasons i'm talking about years now but last year was very much about a journey coming to an end and starting mm -hmm. again that's not yeah. the case we're in a better place now than we were 360 five four three two days ago when it clicked over january the first when we had no strikers we had we'd scored Four goals, I think, in seven games, something like that. Two against Cheltenham, given away a last-minute lead. Two against MK Dons, conceded three and lost the game. We'd lost at Crew. We, you know, we were in a bad position. Well, so this is kind of what I was saying about just making sure you're away from the relegation zone, because then you can do what you want to do and develop how you want to. Last season, yeah. if we weren't away, if we weren't looking like we were in a relegation battle, you know, this time last year we really would in one. Um, then we wouldn't have had to. Get, increase our budget and spend over the odds on X players to get us out of the shit. Um, you know, it, it almost like you, you stop your development for six months just to guarantee safety, then you start again. Yeah. Um, so this year, we're not in that situation. So we haven't got to go and, you know, increase the budget over more than what we can afford. You know, who, who knows? You know, increasing the budget in January last season potentially had a negative knock-on effect on the budget this summer. Um, interesting, so, interesting point. You know, Let me ask you then. Lose these two games, teams below us win, and we're two points off the relegation spot going into the next game. Do the board not panic, but do they rubber stamp another overspend, given the fact that we've had a cup run that wasn't budgeted for? I think it's all about context, isn't it? If For me, no. I just think we're better suited now to deal with that type of game you know if, if I don't want us to get dragged into a relegation battle and it doesn't suit us from a development perspective but we are on the whole hard to beat and if you are hard to beat you don't get relegated we'll pick so up enough points to stay up I don't think I think it's a very different situation whereas last season we were playing relatively well and losing or playing shit and losing and you know this time this season we've sometimes not played brilliantly but got something out of it we've, we've had less of the ball we haven't created as many chances and we've we've set up in a way where we can still get something out of the game that's that keeps you up um so it's a really good point it's a really good point because actually in terms of points in january or in terms of gap from the relegation zone maybe it won't be a huge amount of difference but i think the context is very very different 
Um, so do you think that the focus of the transfer window doesn't change if we kick off January with the defeat against Ipswich and are two points outside the relegation zone? Do you think it's business as usual this season? I think it's business as usual in regard to what we've been work- clearly what we've been working on in the in the recruitment phase for the last few months. Where we are towards the end of January might dictate how the last week or two looks of the transfer window, but I don't think a great deal would change in the first two or three weeks of the window. But what do I know? It's all speculation, isn't it? It is all speculation. It is. A year ago, we were making the same speculation, um, and you know, here we are, twelve months later, and we have the answers to the mm-hmm. speculation we had last year. We have the highs and the lows that we couldn't possibly see. Um, and the next 12 months, we'll have the same sorts of highs and lows. Last season, we started really well. Three of the wins that started 2022 have made it into the Stacey West Reader's top um, 10 matches of 2022. So three wins in the space of, I think it was 12 days, uh, kind of really lifted the gloom a little bit. It can happen very, very quickly. Usually, yeah. 2022 overall was quite a gloomy year. As usual, when me and Chris do the podcast, we have overrun slightly. Uh, so we're at 45 minutes already and we'd uh, we'd put half an hour, I think, aside for this last little bit. So we're going to maybe have to power through it a little bit. Um, so to celebrate the end of 2022 and to welcome the beginning of a new year, we've decided to look back at some of the highlights from last season. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the production capabilities of Radio Lincolnshire. So this isn't where you get a montage of Michael Horton screaming into the um, into the microphone or, or Rob Makepeace going, Lincoln City, when they score. Um, you're not going to get that. You're basically just going to get two people talking about their best home match of 2022 the best away match of 2022, key off-field moment of 2022. Uh, and then we've got some tweets to go to as well. So let's start things off. Mr. Lowing, let's start things off with away. What was your away highlight of 2022? Uh, I've gone for the 1-0 win away at Ipswich this season. Uh, I think it was a huge turning point for us. Um, it wasn't just that we won. It was, it was the manner of that victory. It was the first time we'd really set up um, to be really hard to beat and show them that grit and determination and off-ball kind of organisation and get a win. Uh, and obviously two or three similar matches followed from that. It almost kind of set that blueprint again. Right, this is how you play against the big teams that want to play lots of football, uh, have a lot of the ball, play out from the back, and this is how you beat them. And it was brilliant. You came to mind to watch that. We found a way of watching it online, didn't we? And... Um, and uh, I think neither was particularly confident before the game. And then we were just absolutely over the moon, not just with the victory, but the manner of it. And it kind of was almost like that, that change in blueprint because for the majority of the games before that, we played 4-3-3. It wasn't that far before it. We'd, we'd beaten Bristol Rovers 6-3. And we've gone, that's amazing, but you've got to be better at the back. You'll get you'll get stunned because that game could have been 10-all or it could have been 6-3 the other way around. Um, and then we changed it and we started to go a little bit more hard to beat. We changed the system. And that's the first time we've really got our rewards from it. And yeah, I just think that from just for me, it was it was a real highlight, not just for the result, but also because it showed that we can we can mix it against the, the better teams and we can beat them and we know how to play against them now. Um, yeah, it was. And just to clarify, just so people are aware, we found a way to watch it that did involve us paying the club £10, just in case anyone thought it was a, a dodgy stick. We did actually uh, pay for the game. We were just theoretically in the Cape Verde Islands, um, but without the weather. So, um, so yeah, that, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. I have struggled a little with mine. 
because of this two. And I'm not going to be the guy that goes, I'm going to pick two. Um, but I, I really wanted to pick Southampton away mm. just because cup games are a one-off, aren't they? They're the, they're the showpiece. They're the, they're the fools and horses Christmas special outside of the normal series. Do you know what I mean? And you always go back to them, whereas they don't really form any part of, mm-hmm. a, of the season narrative, the league narrative. But I've gone for another game. I've gone for a game that um, our favourite pantomime villain these days absolutely excelled. Um, it was Sunderland away. Obviously, we beat Sunderland 3-1 very early January. I think it was the second win of 2022. I think it was midweek after the Oxford game um, in, in, in 2022. It was a moment where we beat Oxford 2-0. Um, Morgan Whitaker had played well. We've got the win, but we needed to back it up. We needed to put points on the table. You go away to Sunderland. They're a huge club. They are a huge club. I'm not fawning or pandering. Um, we went there expecting very, very little and we got the Chris Maguire show, and Chris Maguire show was rare. It didn't normally well, it, happen. It, ha- it happened once. It happened once, <laughs> yeah, it did. It did happen once. He scored a hat-trick. Uh, I thought we were excellent. The game had a little bit of everything in that, you know, it had the Lee Johnson moment. It had the second goal. Then they scored, and you think they're going to get back into it. And then we scored on the break. I thought we defended really well. I thought that you saw elements in that Sunderland game of what Michael Appleton probably was trying to do. And I think if we'd had those players playing that way in every game, and it, and and that's not possible because the other team always dictates how the game is played as well. That's why we talk about how other teams set up. But if everybody had been on it in that manner for the rest of the season, relegation wouldn't have been talked about. Um, it sparked another win not long after. I think we lost to Cambridge on the next game and then beat Plymouth in the game after that. So it was nine points from 12. For me, we talk about being safe. That almost assured safety for me, um, that little win, that kind of boost, that kick in the arse, especially after the November and December that we'd had where we were mm-hmm. shocking, absolutely yeah. shocking. So for me, that was the away moment. Um, I'm now going to I'll go to my home moment, if I may now, because actually we've had some phenomenal home moments in 2022. There have been some really big home games and I'm picking one that probably nobody other than you, because uh, when we compared notes, you had picked it as well. Um, but, you know, this me and you are more pragmatic people. Uh, everybody else goes for the headlines. Um, but we both mentioned Cheltenham at home. Uh, we won 3-0. I don't think we were outstanding that day. I thought we did what Lincoln City, Michael Appleton's Lincoln City, should have been doing on a regular basis, is we scored a couple of goals. We attacked relatively well. We kept a clean sheet, which, you know, last that season... Was unbelievable. We never did. I haven't picked it for any of those reasons. I picked it because that was the day that mathematically we could no longer get relegated out of League One. And it's pragmatism, isn't it? That's what it is. It's you and I. If somebody said to us now, you can finish 19th um, and this is where you'll do it, we'd take it this season. And for me, it was just a brilliant moment walking away from the ground thinking, well, that's it. We're going to be playing Ipswich or Portsmouth or, or whoever next season. Thank for that. Yeah, it was just weight off the shoulders, massive sigh of relief, wasn't it? You know what? I kn- I don't think, like deep down, I ever truly believed we would go down. No, I didn't. Last season, I always felt that we were good enough to stay up, but we showed a lot of the characteristics that mean that you're going to get dragged into it. But it was, but obviously, the longer it went on before it was guaranteed that you weren't, the more that worry that sets in. And if that sets in for fans, it's got to set in for the players. And yeah, it wasn't just... It, we did everything that day that we didn't do for the rest of the season. We beat a team that we should have been beating, inverted commas. 
Um, we scored lots of goals without, and we didn't kept a clean sheet without actually playing our best. Um, and it was just all the things that we should have done throughout the whole season and didn't. And it was like, oh, finally, it's finally clicked. We can relax now and enjoy yeah. the last two or three games of the season. And yeah, um, like I said, we both wrote that one down. Um, I actually, I, you said you, you, had yeah, two fewer away. Yeah. I had I had um, I had three written down for my for my home one. I couldn't decide between the, the three, but um shall I move on to mine now? Yeah, but what's your other one? Yeah, yeah, you, you, um, you so my my one. my other home um home highlight was beating Derby 2 0 this season at home. It was uh it was the first real big game atmosphere I think we had um this season. It was against a huge club that we haven't played for a number of years, and obviously we we won, which is always great. Um, atmosphere it was atmosphere just felt like it, it kind of had done it previous times in previous eras, really. It felt like it was yeah, from a, just a fan experience perspective, I just felt like I had everything. We played well, atmosphere was amazing. Um was that our first home win of the season? I know we were unbeaten. Was that our first home win? I think it I think so. possibly was, wasn't it? We only won we only won um, two, weren't we? Yeah, but obviously they, I think we had three draws before that, hadn't we? Um but yeah, I just love that. I came away from that game just feeling absolutely buzzing and pumped, and it was just it was just a really good feeling, purely just from a, a personal perspective, I think. I'm not sure it set us up in any way um, for the season, maybe similar that the Ipswich game did. I don't think it had that big an influence on the on the uh, kind of our style. I think it probably gave all the fans a bit more confidence in the team. It was maybe a nice connection moment between the fans and maybe Mark Kennedy and some of the players who were new. Um, it just felt like a big game when we won. It felt very similar to when we beat Sheffield Wednesday at home the season before. Which would have been my other pick. <laughs> the three-one win against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah it would yeah. have been. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I know I, both of mine have been actually this season rather than this year, but yeah, um, they were. That's what I went for. I'd be interested to kind of hear, see what what other people's highlights were that well, on comments on we go, Twitter and things. Before we go to the off-field stuff, then let's have a quick look through some of the other um, some of the other comments that we had. So um, we have Colin Green. Uh, Colin, good afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening. Definitely Sunderland away. Tactically out fought were the words used by a Sunderland fan I know. Tight-knit, away support, backs to the wall and an all-round gripping night. Especially when a lot of us had written off our chances of getting anything there. Fair enough. Can't, can't argue with that at all. Jordan, Jordan Brown's been greedy and picked six. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> George Comfort. Sunderland, Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday last season are the obvious ones. Ipswich, Derby and Barnsley were all big ones too. Backs against the wall, serious fight and showed we can compete with the bigger sides despite the golf in pounds, which is a mm -hmm. fair point. Uh, ben, self-indulgent one, unlike Ben. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ben. Uh, being asked to present the evening with Mark Kennedy with you, it's not a game yet. Uh, and on the pitch, Sunderland, Plymouth away, Wednesday and Derby at home. So again, we haven't done for Plymouth, but we've picked the others. Uh, Emma Crellin says the unexpected wins are always the best. Sunderland back in January on their overly watered pitch. Hmm. Sheffield Wednesday at home and Ipswich this season is a real smash and grab. Charlton away was also a fantastic away. Yeah, game. that's a really good one, actually. Really good point. Got Charlton yeah. away last season. Uh, Joe Briley from the All Lincoln website has gone, for me, it has to be Oxford away. Mark Kennedy's first league winner, City boss. That's when he really started to get the fans on his side. It's an interesting yeah, pick. I think that's a good point because obviously it was a different system. We were still playing four three three at the time, but it was the same characteristics that we saw against Ipswich, wasn't it? You know, we were. You know, I don't know actually because we were we were outstanding in that first half actually on the ball. You know, we created a lot of chances again. Press well. We looked like a really front foot team, and then obviously we showed the characteristics to kind of 
to then defend um, yeah. in the second half. That was a very much a game of two halves. But yeah, I loved that Ying game. And Yang. Yeah, loved Ying it. And uh, Charlie uh, from the Charlie, your mate from the supporters board says a bit of an out there one, but Plymouth away in January is one of my faves, which it isn't as out there as you might think because everyone's picking it. Back to Mullins last. Sorry, go on. There's one thing that just massive shout out to Charlie, by the way. So he's trying to go to every single game this season. And so far, I think okay. he has done. So fair play to him. That's incredible, especially with yeah. the cost of living issues and the travel issues at the moment. And uh, yeah, so well done, that's off to you, Charlie. mate. I wish I could even consider going to a handful more than I have done. But yeah, work, unfortunately, dictates not. Max Melbourne's last minute winner, Sam Long's only league start. Good point. Can't be the feeling when you've travelled all that way for a late winner. Ipswich away definitely up there. Jonathan Harris, who's an MK Dons fan, says his highlight this season is the amount of times Ben's called me a rude word. Um, on the podcast <laughs> oh, I wish there was some sort of count for that yeah I'd be interested well, to see but... and see if I can beat it next year yeah I just can't be asked to go back and listen to the podcasts uh, Will Mitson says the win against Derby County a few months back was under the lights massive crowd and massive away support um, Sid has gone it's always good to get the win over Oxford so that 2-1 win on a Tuesday night was brilliant outstanding at home versus Derby and Johan Tasker says beating Ipswich 1-0 away incredible it sounds like a lot of people are on the same sort of uh, wavelength there, then, which is good to see. And what's really interesting, and I won't spoil it for anybody, but as I've said, I've done the top ten matches of the season, um, based of the, of the year of twenty twenty two, based on the ratings given by Stacey West fans. And the match that finishes second hasn't been mentioned by anybody at all. So <laughs> it's fantastic. interesting, and I'm not going to spoil it because I want people to click all the way through to it. Not that I even earn on clicks, so it really doesn't matter. I just want people to read what I've written. Uh, so we've then picked off, picked up two off-the-field moments of 2022. We were going to kind of say off-field highlights, but I think that there are two moments in 2022 that could be seminal moments in the history of Lincoln City Football Club, personally. I think we've, mm-hmm. we've picked kind of two. So I'll let you go first. Um, for me, it's the Jabara family's investment. Um, obviously, any investment is is, is really beneficial. Um we all want to get promoted. We all want to kind of live the highs. We all want to kind of experience the, the you know, all the joys of football. But in essence, the most important thing is is the survival of the football club. You know, what we all want more than anything is to have a football team to go and watch every week. And it just helps give us that extra bit of peace of mind, that extra security um, that the club is in good hands. You know, there is money coming in. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for the club. Gives us that stability off the field. You know, looking at only got to look at some of the clubs out there at the moment. The absolute mess that's going on at Crawley kind of came out today, didn't it? That's just an absolute joke. Um, but there's so many football clubs out there that are in not necessarily directly similar, but less than favourable positions. And I just I always feel really lucky. Um, it's always a nice little bit of context, isn't it? You know, on a game where we have had a bad day, like say Burton, for example, you then look off the pitch. We're, we're all right. We're still in a really strong position off the pitch. Um, and that investment from the Jabara family and just them joining the club, I think has been a real positive for us um, and could continue to be really positive, of course, indirectly from them. has been the links with London Donovan, the links with San Diego Loyal. Obviously, that's only very early in those relationships, but, you know, a few years down the line, who knows how beneficial that could be for us. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that's what I went for for a off the field highlight of 2022. I think I think they're good points. I think you only have to look at um, Thomas Sangsgard at Charlton when he went into Charlton. He was the savior, mm-hmm. and now they despise him. Yeah, and it's interesting how quickly 
that can turn and how sometimes investment that comes into the football club looks very good at first glance and within a year or, or in Wagme's case within you know six months or within 30 seconds of them announcing they've gone into the football club you just knew it was going to go sour do you know what I mean whereas sometimes there's, there's a bit more of a run and I don't feel that at all with the Jabara family I think no. the investment off the field right the way back to Clive in 2015 and every bit of investment through and every board member that's come on board has added something doesn't ever seem to have been a bad egg or a, a, a bad influence or a self-serving individual. Doesn't yeah. seem to happen. Always seems to be for the right reasons, doesn't it? And what's yeah. also interesting, and not to say that they won't do in the future, but I don't think the Jabaras are even on the board yet, are they? They just want to be involved in the club for the right reasons. So that's really... And even if they do end up on the board, they, they it still shows that they've joined for the right reasons and you know yeah. that their hearts are in the right place here. They're not doing this because they want to have a huge influence on the running of a football club and they want to, you know... You know, be another story um, to try and get some headlines. You know, they're just doing it because they want to be involved in the football club. And that's I think Harvey has said he'll join the board in 2023. Cool, fair do. I think I saw something they, that yeah. I may. I think he said he may take his position up. That's not news. Don't don't uh, anyone. Yeah, quote uh, me. as soon as they anyone kind of invests into the club, you expect them to join the board. And the, but the fact that they didn't straight away, I think that was a really good sign for me. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, we're we're a good so, place off the pitch. My moment and. Before anyone calls me a hypocrite, I've got to listen out for the rest of this. I know you had mentioned this as well, but my moment was Michael Appleton leaving the club. And not because it was Michael Appleton leaving the club. I backed Michael. If he'd been here, I'd continue to do so. Um, but it was the atmosphere that it immediately threw up after the game. So we'd watched a crew game. We'd been dire. We won 2-1, Hack scored a late winner, didn't he? But we'd been dire. We should have lost that game against Crew, And they were terrible. And they've gone down and they're not doing well this season. And they had the Oasis tribute afterwards. And we went out to the ground and there was you, me. There was a couple of other of our mates. I think it was Dave there, Dave, Dale, yeah, Matt. So. It, oh, yeah. it was, the, yes, of course, it was the Usher um, uh, <laughs> moment, wasn't it? <laughs> so anyway, so uh, so we were out there, and then words kind of got spread around that Michael Appleton was uh, was leaving the club, and we kind of heard it. We'd watched him go around the pitch, and he hadn't really engaged with people, and we thought, well, and it was it was what happened in the moments after that, and the hours after that for me, because it was the positivity that it threw up not because it was Michael going but because normally when a manager leaves a club like when Danny leaves the club it's do it was doom and gloom do you know what I mean it was god he's gone what are we going to do now it's probably the same when Keith left the club it was the same when I'm sure when Graham Taylor left the club um and let's not forget Michael Appleton was a successful manager for this football club in terms of win percentage and in terms of taking us to within 90 minutes of the championship so you, know, you can devalue him if you're a hater as much as you want he was a successful manager for this football club um, he gave us a cup when he brought Liverpool to Sinselbank. So put, keep that in context. We were we were a penalty away from a Wembley final in the mm -hmm. checker trade or whatever it was. So when that happens, usually there can be an air of uncertainty, but there felt to be really air, a real air of positivity. It was a moment where I noticed actually that supporters across the city were massively engaged. We went out that night, every pub we went in, it was what's happening with Lincoln City, what do you yeah. think is going to happen with Lincoln City, this is my idea, that's your idea, this is the squad we've got, this is what, lots and lots of positives, it brought fans actually together again, people who perhaps I disagreed with about Michael Appleton, lots of people were just kind of, we're in a good position here, and it felt not because it was Michael leaving that it was a positive aspect, it just actually felt that there was so much positivity around the football club after a pretty horrible 
12 months. It wasn't a good season last season from start to finish, from the hopes of being in the promotion positions to having to battle away against relegation towards the end of the season. But he just felt like a moment of, of kind of hope, a moment of transition. Everything that happens has happened since is a new era. Normally when a new era starts, it's negative. Terry Pratchett, I think, once wrote a book called Interesting Times, and the, he, he wrote a saying there that, you know, may you never live through interesting times, because interesting times normally means the shit's hitting the fan and you're stood in front of the fan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This was the interesting times with a real positivity, a real positive air about it. And it's left us in a position now better than we were 12 months ago. That evening, that evening of, of, of debate, of excitement, of, of, of kind of discussion for me was the was a key moment of 2022 i, I can't add anything gary i i, I love it I, I agree with you 100 that was a huge thing obviously we was together that day and um i was with you I, i'm not going to come across as a hypocrite either and not this time hopefully i don't I did last week um, <laughs> um because I, I backed michael as well um i think you always got to try and back the manager until there's a real clear reason not to i'll be honest my i was doubt had had more and more doubts were creeping in towards the end of the season, but I never kind of wanted him to go. But towards the end, I could see the benefits in him leaving. I could see that, you know, I could see the, the merits in him staying, but also the benefits in him leaving um, until the moment that he left. And I thought, oh, that's good, actually. You know, like, yeah, because I think what happened is that there was a, there was no real middle ground, really, in the fan <clears> base. You either thought, no, I'm backing the manager because he's the manager of Lincoln City. Or you actively didn't back him, and there's no right or wrong here. You know, it's 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 opinions. And what was just so refreshing is that everyone was back on the same hymn shoot again. Everyone was just back in that same mentality of we're all Lincoln City supporters. We want the best for Lincoln City. What's the future going to bring? And it was just um, yeah, a big moment for us to kind of generate a little bit of that kind of connection again. And I think we all kind of experienced that firsthand in our obviously the most successful period in the club's history a few years ago. You know, one of the biggest highlights for me was not actually what happened on the pitch. It was just the growth of the club off the pitch and that connection that I felt with the club and the other fan base, I think you don't get that very, very often. And I felt like that had been completely eroded away, completely. Um, and I feel like that moment just allowed us to start to rebuild that again. I think we are, we're not anywhere near where it was there, but um, we're certainly on the way back, I think. I think that connection is certainly much, much healthier now than it was 12 months ago. And, you know, I love football. I like, I like the tactical side of the game, as everyone knows, but... Um, what people might not know quite so much is that what I absolutely adore about football is fan culture. It's, it's, I find it fascinating. Um, and it's that match day experience. And I just think the match day experience this season has been a hell of a lot more um, enjoyable off the pitch since that moment than it was last season. And I think there's a lot to be said about the decision that the board made at that moment, or jointly with Michael, to, to kind of write a line under that that era and, and start afresh as a, as a real positive over the last 12 months. Dare I say on a personal, from a personal point of view, it was nice to be freed from the shackles of backing the manager. And that's not hypocritical. I backed Michael. And there's a point, I think in this day and age now, it's really, really hard to be in the middle of anything. Yeah. Politics. Everything's polarised, isn't it? You're Tory, you're right, left. Yeah. Brexit. You remain, you, you, you remain, whatever. And I think Michael Appleton's reign at the football club was exactly like that. If you back Michael Appleton, you back Michael Appleton. And there were games towards the end of the season. And please, people are happy to free look over the blog and go back to you know, the Gillingham game, for instance, where, you know, or Portsmouth or whatever. When it was bad, I did say I, I, I could call it was bad. And I think 
we kind of glossed over some things that we didn't know about Sean Rowe and Max Sanders. You know, why aren't they getting a the game? Is there something you ask the question, is there something wrong there? Is there, you know, with the player, you now know that there wasn't, we've seen what the players can do. And I think that moment when he said he was gone, it was a shock, but it was almost like, yeah, it was just a free, it was a reset. It was like hitting that, that reset button. It's like if you had had an etch sketch and you were trying to draw on an etch sketch and you'd fucked up, but you didn't want to tell anybody. Do you know what I mean? It was just like when you wipe it across and it's a blank slate and everybody can look at the drawing and go, ah, oh, brilliant. And it was kind of that. So, yeah, it was a big moment. And I think I, it would be a big moment for the football club. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think we're all guilty. We're human beings. All of us are guilty of confirmation bias. And like you said, we were almost forced to pick a side, weren't you? And once you yeah. pick a side, it's very, very difficult then to go, I've completely changed my mind on the other side. And it's almost difficult to then go from being on one side to just being in the middle. Like you say, you have to have a side, especially when you're writing something like you you do. So whenever anything happened on the pitch that was positive, you're like, oh, thank God for that. Right. That confirms I'm. my opinion is right in this exact moment. Therefore, I can actually write something or I can have that opinion. And then when things don't, the people that are have the opposite opinion, that's when you see them have their comments on Twitter and then the people that disagree with them moan and that's when the arguments and that fracture kind of begins, isn't it? And all we all want is to be proven right at times, isn't it? Sometimes, going, yeah, I'm right. See, it is okay. I think also all we want is, all everyone wants is for League and City to be successful um, and our opinions will differ on how we measure that and how we achieve that. Um, that's the beauty of football, I suppose, isn't it? But yeah, huge moment in the football club in the, in the last 12 months and I agree, this time last year, uh, where we are now compared to 12 months ago is just so much more positive as a whole club than it was then. 100%. Right, that's one hour and 10 minutes into the Stacey West podcast. At some point through this episode, you may have heard an advert. I didn't introduce it because when I do introduce adverts, um, the podcast company don't sell any. Uh, so you just get me going, here's an advert, and then an awkward five-second silence, <laughs> and then me going, and I don't know who that was from. So at some point here, you might have had Chris talking about something, and then all of a sudden it comes in and going, you know, ooh, do this, or buy this product, or eat these sausages, or whatever. So, um, in fact, yeah, there was your advert, Bratwurst Sausages, Morrison's. <laughs> so if they don't put an advert in... I'll tell you what, there, there is an advert I want to put in. There's not, not, no plug here at all from me. I got an excellent Christmas present, Um I don't know, and, and there's a few people out there that watch or subscribe or listen to the TIFO podcast or the TIFO videos, TIFO IRL. They brought out a book a book um, just before Christmas called How to Watch Football, and it's not as condescending as that kind of title sounds. It is absolutely brilliant. It was tenor, I think, online. I massively recommend anyone gets that. It's a brilliant book. Um, and I, I don't like reading, um, and I've, I've read it from front to back. Only the second book in my whole life, I'm 32 years old, the second book in my whole life that I've read from cover to cover. I'm not going to give you the privilege of telling, uh, of admitting to Gary <laughs> again, that the only other one is his autobiography. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't call it an autobiography. We'll just call it my book. I mean, I, I don't want to have written yeah. an autobiography. It suggests yeah. that I'm done. Um, <laughs> true, yeah, true. Uh, it does. Um, I need to say happy birthday to Carl Keneally as well. Um, his dad did message. We don't normally do birthday shout outs, otherwise... Um, we'll end up sounding like, I don't know, the radio. Uh, but Kyle will make a special uh, a, a special dispensation for. Where's Chris's message to me now? I didn't, oh, shit, I didn't actually reply. Sorry, Chris. Um, so can you give Kyle a birthday mention as he's 18? He's at Burton today, which is his 46th live game this season. That's got to be this year because we haven't played 46 games this season. Um, never know a kid who loves loves live football, no matter who's playing. Oh, so probably live game, not Lincoln. That must be all all live games. Fair play. 40, 46 Massively respect that. This season. Great work. 
great work. Wow. Wait till he gets a proper job. That'll restrict that, unfortunately. But no, seriously, um, happy birthday, Kyle. Been writing for the site for since he was about 13 or something like that. So, yeah, well done, Kyle. Happy birthday. Happy 18th. Happy birthday, so, young man. I think all that remains to be said is that's the last podcast for 2022. We'll be back in 2023 um, with pretty much the same as what you're getting now. Uh, we've got a bit of a special coming up, 200th episodes coming up soon. Keep your ears peeled for that because we do have something special planned. It's bound to be live. It's bound to involve Lincoln City Football Club. Um, other than that, we'll tell you no more. So whatever you're doing New Year's Eve, I'd say don't get too drunk. Um, I will. Here's my advert. The Ivy Club. Um, so we're in. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Rugby. So wherever you are, have a great, great New Year. Um, Don't make any promises to yourself that you can't keep. Don't burden yourself with New Year's resolutions you can't keep. Just enjoy enjoy life because you only get one go at it. Um, And we'll be back soon. So Happy New Year and... Happy New Year. Up the imps. All the ends. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.